What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're on a collision course with the national championship, and only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, or get out the way. That's what that is right there. You're coming like this, man. When you're like this, you can't beat me, baby! You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now. Here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince Lococo. Okay, I don't think we could get more hyped if we tried tonight on From the Pink Seats Podcast. We are here from the Pink Seats Podcast, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, Presley Meyer. We are waiting for Vince Lococo. He was here. And then he wasn't here, and so now we're trying to figure out where he is and get him back on the line. We'll be joined as well by our good friend Keith Wynn of Card Chronicle here in a little bit. We've got a great show tonight celebrating the first ever back-to-back-to-back wins against Power 5 opponents for Scott Satterfield. And the first top 10 victory in show history. And we are excited to break down the Wake Forest victory for Louisville. One of the uh, the biggest wins of the Scott Satterfield era, maybe the biggest win. We'll get into all the details of that with Vince's game notes, right and wrong. Keith is going to join us uh, to talk about the game and then as well as preview James Madison. This was a game a couple of years ago that you looked at and you're like, oh, okay, it's, you know, the Samfords and Eastern Kentuckys and Murray States of the world. But no, James Madison is now an FBS program that has been ranked in the top 25 this year, something that Louisville has not done. Uh, so Louisville will go up against a team with uh, that is ranked very highly in a number of different categories. We'll get into all of that and what it means for Louisville. But first, let's start at the top, the turnstiles of content, the way we get started each week around here, talking about the randomness, randomness and things that are around uh, that might not necessarily have to do with football. And we first start with uh, with our own show here. It, it is a momentous night. Uh, it is worth celebrating. Um, we, we've got to give ourselves a little bit of a round of applause, a slap on the back, whatever they they say to congratulate yourselves as we celebrate our you 100. You mean a pat on the back? A slap I, on the back? 
<laughs> I mean, hey, man. that's the kind of party. It Sorry, is. I had to stop you right do there. Do you remember? Do you, Vince is not here to rem- to tell us the names of the coaches, but do you remember the coaches that used to hit each other with a paddle before the start of the game, and they would break oh, it for Louisville yeah. the strength coaches? That's what we need to do around here. Slap Vince, on the back. get your internet figured out so you can remind us. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go back to Vince later on in the show for that detail. But no, we we were going to celebrate our 100th episode. Now you may be asking, I thought last episode was episode number 79. And you're right. I think this is episode technically number 80. But we've had, you know, series mixed in throughout. We've done the freakies. We've done the the season and reviews one through eight. We've done all of those things over the last few years. But this is, in fact, the 100th recording of From the Pink Seats podcast. And we literally could not have timed this any better for what just happened on the field on Saturday in Cardinal Stadium. We've also... Got a big, big, big achievement to celebrate tonight. Uh, none, Nothing to um, of his own doing. In fact, a long time ago, 31 years, two, a man and a woman got together and they had a child. And that child is Matt McGavick. Matt McGavick was born 30 years ago today. Matt, you are an old ass man. You look like it. You look tired and worn down. Man, congratulations. I'm tired because I've had to sift through NCAA documents for the last six bleeping years. <laughs> That's right. Well, happy 30th And it's birthday. finally coming to a head tomorrow. Thank God. Presley, are you ready? We doing it? One. Oh, no. I'm scared. Two. And a three. three. And a four. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. you. Hey, hey, hey. Happy happy birthday. Birthday. I'm, I'm lagging. I'm lagging. I can't hear you. I can't lag and lag. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday to Matthew McGavick. Happy, happy birthday. birthday to you. Woo. 30 happy times. Birthday, Matt. 30, happy 30 birthday, slaps Matt. on the back for good old Matt McGavick. <laughs> just right on the back of the head. Just 30 of them, man. Right on the back yeah, just, of that bald head. Right, right on my noggin. You've got a perfect uh, a landing spot for my hand there, there on the top there, of your head. 30 times for every time you've, you've ruined a, a, a fellow media member's picture of, of a press conference. <laughs> that's, that's definitely happened more than 30 oh, times <laughs> okay back to the hundredth let's what's really important is the hundredth episode thing it, matt this is more a question for you but is there any favorite moment favorite guess is there anything over the last 100 episodes that stands out to you i'll tell you mine okay while you think of yours and oh, I, I know what mine is i, I think it's going to be our interview okay. with gunner brewer okay that's awesome that's not what mine is so go ahead what the, inter- the interview with gunner brewer two years well, ago yeah. i mean gunner brewer just coach interview. His gunner yeah it was he just has all the the gunner brewer isms i can't remember like every single thing that he said during there but you know how he just has all of his crazy ass sayings and whatnot and and he he had several of them and it was like you said first coach interview so that's what got the ball rolling on that front that's what stands out to me yeah i like it obviously a great interview and it's always great talking to coaches especially him he was he was such a unique um individual to have around but mine is um actually courtesy of one vince lococo and it's a shame that he's not here i'm really hoping that he's going to get his internet figured out but uh if you remember when we had Vince on for the first episode, Matt, it was a, leading into the old Miss game. Mm-hmm. And Vince was not shy in sharing his take uh, of what <laughs> might happen in that game. And I'm looking back in my notes here to try and find it. It was one of our uh, freaky nominees for the worst take of the year. I don't know if that made it onto the cutting room floor, but Vince predicted Louisville to beat Ole Miss something like 42 to 17 or something like that. And it was in that moment 
um, that I said, this guy is not going to make it here. This is not going to work out. <laughs> no, in all honesty, it was a hilarious moment that I still think about. We still give, um, yeah, I, I do have it on here. I just have Vince said Louisville would upset Ole Miss. But yeah, anyways, boy, did they fun not. moments, <laughs> fun, fun moments here on from the Pink Seeds podcast. Hey, if you're new to the show, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, be sure to subscribe anywhere you get your shows from, from the Pink Seeds podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Pink Seeds pod at Matt underscore McGavick at Press Meyer at Vincent Lacoco and at Jacob Lane zero uh, eight. Anything else from the turnstiles of content that you guys want to talk about tonight? Anything that stands out to either you, Presley or, or Matt? I mean, we, I, I, I'd like to get into the college football playoff rankings, how Tennessee you- was rightfully now th- this isn't something they hadn't done in the past, which kind of go off, which was go off of the AP poll and say like, oh, they've been number one all season. So they have to stay number one. No, the CFP committee for all their flaws, they've generally stayed away from that notion of thinking. So, I mean, we've seen in the last few weeks that Tennessee is the number one team in the country and they rightfully got their ranking, which oddly enough set, sets up for a one versus one matchup this weekend because Tennessee is number one in the college football playoff rankings and Georgia is number one in the AP poll. So technically, I mean, by the AP poll, it's a one V two, but if we're going by AP versus college football playoff, it's one versus one, which is odd to think, think about, but I actually think that they got their first like top four, you know, relatively on the nose, Tennessee, Ohio state, Georgia, Clemson, and then Michigan and Alabama are in the outside looking in. I think that the real thing, uh, piece of debate is Clemson versus Michigan for that final spot in the, in the top four, which, I mean, Clemson has top 25 wins against Syracuse, Wake, NC State. Wait, have they played NC State? They've got more yeah, top 25 wins, whereas, yep. whereas Michigan, all they've, be, all they've beaten is Penn State, and their strength of schedule is quite literally like bottom five, bottom 10 in all of off college football so i don't think they really deserve to get that four spot speaking of michigan how about the uh brawl in the tunnel man shared tunnels need to be a thing of the past because that seems like a horrible idea to have teams that just competed literally trying to rip each other's heads off uh walk together after a a close game doesn't seem like a good idea to me uh gonna have criminal charges it sounds like too so how about that sounds like it yeah they've already suspended eight guys from that role yeah, and then two more things I want to just acknowledge here. First, Vince, welcome to the show. Glad you got your internet figured out. Who were the coaches that used to slap the paddles on each other? We were talking about this a oh, few moments ago. Joe Maday and uh, Coach Wilkes, Trent Wilkes. I think. See, yeah, Trent. I knew you would knew that. I know that. And and here's the second question for you. Favorite memory, favorite anything from the first 100 episodes of From the Pink Seats podcast? Ooh, uh, I don't know. The Reggie Bonifon uh, interview was fun. I enjoyed that one a lot. Uh, Sat's interview was fun for sure. How about JV and Hawkins joining us from a tattoo booth? That was that was that was pretty good. That was that was hilarious. <laughs> that was yeah. Who who was it that that was getting a fade during? Was that, that was what the one Hawkins? No, Monty was getting a fade when when we interviewed him and Brock. Yeah, yeah, him and That's Brock. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then Monty decided he was just going to walk home from the barber shop and then talk to every single person on the way home. Which is oh very typical God. of Monty Montgomery. I love that, man. That's great. I remember that. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Two two former Cardinal shout outs. One, Justin Marshall. We had a Justin Marshall sighting this week on a little maction on a on a oh, Wednesday. Man. That was or a great Tuesday. Play. Yeah, he's gonna be on you got Mossed on Sunday, uh a Sunday Monday morning countdown this week. Uh so shout out to him. I think he's got a couple of touchdowns up there at Buffalo. So love to see that. And then how about this? Uh potentially maybe on his way back to the NFL. I don't know. We'll see. Usually the Canadian Football League. 
uh, is able to put a player or two, specifically defensive linemen and pass rushers, into the NFL a year. Uh, but Lorenzo Molden leading the Canadian Football League in sacks this season with 17 sacks on the year. I have no idea how many games they play. I don't know what team he plays for. I don't know what province he lives in. I don't know anything about the the driving laws where he lives. I'm not sure anything <laughs> to do with the Canadian Football League. But I did see that. And typically when guys put up numbers like that, they get on NFL radars, especially former NFL pass rushers. So how about that? Well, former Cardinal action. So I, I just, I, just he might be up for defensive player of the year. Yeah, he should be. I mean, that's oh, crazy, so. man. I just looked it up. They play 18 games a season. So you said 17 sacks. So we're getting about 0.92 mm-hmm. sacks per game, somewhere in there. Not very good at math, but yeah. Um, but as my uh, former math teacher, Jim Bartman said, don't be a hater, be a mediator. <laughs> Love that. All right, let's transition. Let's go into right and wrong this week. This is a really good one. I, I this was. Probably one of my more favorite weeks to listen to the podcast from a week ago. There has been some episodes where we've been really bad and we've just been way off. And then there was last week where we got literally almost everything we said right. I mean, it was just glorious going back and listening to it. I shared a clip today on Twitter that occasionally if you say enough things, you'll get something right. And I feel like that's what (laughs) that's what last week was. Uh, But let's go ahead and dive into this now, Matt. And unfortunately, you'll have to sit this one out and just watch from the sidelines. Um, We can pretend Matt was wrong. Matt's usually wrong. Matt, you were wrong. I mean, my prediction was wrong. I'll say that. Well, we'll start it off right there. We'll start with the predictions this week, and we'll start with Matt got it wrong. I also got it wrong. Uh, And and you know who did not get it wrong was Presley and Vince. Both of them predicted Louisville to win last week, and I've got their predictions here. Presley, U of L, thirty four. Wake Forest 26. He said, I've got a good feeling about this, and I've barely been wrong this season. Love that. Love yeah. that for him. Yeah, I'm going with Presley's picks all year. And then this is the <laughs> this is my favorite quote. One of my favorite quotes from the week the from last week. Vince just says, I'm rocking with Presley. I love it. Gotta love it right there. Those two got it right. I did not get it right. I predicted Wake to win 34 to 24. And I said, I just don't believe in Malik Cunningham throwing the football. I don't see a way Louisville can score enough points to beat Wake Forest without Malik having a three touchdown, 200 yard game. Now they did. We'll, we'll get into all of this because Scott Satterfield's play calling, I think compensated for a lot of the inadequacies of the passing game in the offense this week, but you love to see things like that. Vince got it wrong when he said uh, that Louisville wouldn't keep them under the 30 point range. So that's one of those things where it's just a little added nugget, a little nugget of being wrong. Uh, you got your prediction, right? But you also got it wrong when you said there'd be two turnovers. So I want to make sure that I acknowledge that because there was in fact eight, <laughs> yeah, eight turnovers. Yeah. So four times that, but where Vince got it right. He said that there's going to be a turnover that we point to that, that we say that that won us the game. For me, I think you could look at either the Cottrell Clark touchdown or the Quincy Riley touchdown. Both of those pick sixes uh, were plays where really the, the fortunes of the game turned for Louisville right there. Uh, let's keep going here where I got it wrong. I said, someone's got to keep us from being unanimously wrong. That was a comment of mine last week when I picked the score. <laughs> oh and then uh, the last one for me here where I was really, 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 really wrong is I said they're going to get 24 points regardless. So, uh, hey, I love to be wrong. I love everything about it. So let's get let's move into what else we said about the game and, and other things throughout the show last week. I got it wrong when I said uh, it should be a good turnout for the fans. It was, in fact, not a good turnout for the fans. It was very empty. Uh, and we've got to address some beef that happened on Twitter during the game when which Presley addressed one Matt McGavick is Wildcat Matt. And I think it's a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> it it's got to stick, man. Anytime Matt Wildcat has a negative, anytime oh, Matt has a negative opinion from now on or a negative take, Presley's just got to come through with the Wildcat Matt. I love that. I, 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 just, I, love, I love pretending to be mad at Matt. 
just because it's like just the popular thing to do. So just be like, come on, Wildcat, Matt. You're not posting pictures at the UK games with a terrible attendance. Where Vince got it right like last week, he said Sat can be creative. He can be sexy with the offense. He just needs to open it up more. We definitely saw that against Wake Forest with the two-trick oh. plays. Love to see Vince getting it right there. He followed it up, and he said this is a defense that loves to play with its ears pinned back. I think we're starting to see that. We've talked a lot about how this defense has, when they've been kind of unleashed, and Brian Brown allows them to play the football that they play from a defensive havoc standpoint you've seen them really thrive. It's when they kind of put the muzzle on or when they kind of try to tighten the clamps, everybody gets a little antsy. Everybody gets a little bit tense and it's just a little bit trickier to call the game and you can kind of feel that. But Scott Satterfield talked a lot this week about the play calling and guys being in the right positions and then finding them roles. You really feel like this team is starting to find themselves right now. Uh, but Vince, it starts right there with the defense last week. It kind of tells the story of the game. They play with their ears pinned back. That's how it goes. Vince followed it up. Yeah, I've got a couple of them back to back here for Vince. Vince got it right. He said, got it right. He said the defense is peaking at the right time. Uh, he also states in this uh, right opinion that he wants to avoid right and wrong being a mess last week. I love it when we talk about right and wrong <laughs> and we're just way out of pocket with it. Uh, but he says if the offense can turn it around, they have the potential to turn the entire season around and, and the, which would in turn turn their view on Coach Satterfield. Love that. Love it. We need more of it. Another win this weekend. We keep the train rolling. Scott Satterfield, I think his job is safe, but you get it even more safe than we're talking about maybe that E word. We'll, we'll maybe drop that in the next couple of episodes, talking a little bit more about that E word. Erection. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Where I got it right is I said, people joked about Satterfield being involved in the defense, but look what's happened since he said that. There was this, so, Somebody's going to have their volume up to like <laughs> <laughs> windows down and Pressy Meyer is going to just scream erection in there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I love I'm it. sorry, Jacob. Continue. No, you're fine. And Presley, I apologize, man. A lot of your takes came at the very end of the show. <laughs> we kind of squeezed you out and gave you the least amount of time. But we'll get to you because yours are yours are spot on, man. Everybody was, was in their bag this week. Another one where Vince got it right. He said a lot of it when talking about the Wake Forest offense is that RPO BS. Obviously, they have normal plays, but the main focus, again, emphasized, is that RPO BS. It's all BS. That I will RPO is BS. He said, I will continue to call it BS for the remainder of the show. Vince, would you like to address the offense? Was it still as BS as you thought it was? It's straight BS. You kill with pressure. That's right. Uh, where I got it right, I said, this is going to fall on the secondary. This is a game where you need to see retro Cottrell Clark. Ding, ding. Got both of those right. Quincy Riley at his best. Ding, ding. Got that one right as well. Can't afford any bad lapses from Jarvis Brownlee. You need the Griffins and the Josh Minkinses. All those guys stepped up, man. The secondary had their best game of the year. They were all over the place. Where Vince got it right, he said, it's just going to be, it's going to be just as big of a game for the defensive line. And this is following up on the secondary conversation. He said, we're going to see what the defensive line is made of in this game. What's going to shut them. What's going to shut down them from being able to ride that thing all the way up pressure. If our D line can establish a point of attack, get pressure on Hartman, make him uncomfortable throwing and letting him know, even if he's just getting touched. I love this. This is just spot on right here, man. Make him uncomfortable throwing and letting him know, even if he's just getting touched, letting him know somebody's there. Somebody's coming. Somebody's in your face the entire freaking game. That's what How, about that, said too. How about that? How about that? Not bad. Not bad at all. That's right. Vince got it right. He said, we seem to be a better man coverage team. We'd much rather have our guys in for bang, bang plays. 
I like that. What's a bang bang? Almost like I've been around these guys just a little bit. That's right. And I got to see that. Oh, man, I got to see that up close and personal. Everyone uh, on the field on Saturday, as soon as they laid eyes on Vincent LaCoco, you just saw this smile and just light up. Coco! I loved it. It happened about 30 times in a matter of I smelled of- so bad after that. You did. And I cut my arm open, man. I got a, I got a battle wound on somebody's helmet. When I, <laughs> yeah, there was a, we'll not get, allowed to play football now. Yeah, we'll get it. Yeah, my, my wife has completely axed that. She said, you see your arm? She didn't say that. But but point being, there yeah. was a weird, there was a funny exchange with helmets and Vince getting hit on the head with one, me slapping it, and I think I caught the corner of it. I, it's I just, it's helmets, man. I told you, playing football, I broke my wrist the first day of tackling pra- and, and tackling drills. I get on the football field, and what do I do? I cut my wrist open on a helmet, man. I'm just not meant to be a football player. All right, let's keep it moving here. Where I got it right, I said if there's any weakness on Wake's offense, it's the offensive line. Where I got it righter, when describing the defensive line and what they do well, especially Yaya Diaby, I use the quote, read, react, and destroy. I think that is a good uh, synopsis of what we saw throughout the entirety of Saturday. Uh, Where I got it right, I said, watch Momo Sonogo. Vince, how many times did I tap you on your shoulder and say, hey, did you see Momo right there? Yeah, Momo was like I wasn't watching the game. (laughs) I know, but I wanted to point it out. (laughs) Where Max Martin got it right. Shout out to Max Martin. I just want oh, to make yeah. sure I note this is for about a quarter and a half leading up to the second trick play where Braden Smith threw the touchdown to Jalen Carter. Max continued to call out that there was a trick play coming at some point based off of the formations that he was saying. I mean, he probably said it 10 to 15 times, went to go get a beer, came back. They run a trick play. No, watch. I'm telling you, it's coming soon. Sure enough, when they did, Max and his mustache and just Full hands up in the air like he scored the touchdown himself. It was it was wonderful. Got to give him a shout out on that one. All right, let's go to Presley to finish this off here on the on the, the segment. Uh, Presley got it right. It says Louisville needs to take the ball away, which Wake Forest doesn't give up a lot of turnovers. Going to need to limit turn and then followed it up with going to need to limit themselves to one turnover. So how about that? Exactly down to the number one turnover for Louisville during that game where Presley got it wrong. He said, Sam Hartman is like Teddy Bridgewater where I disagree with you. And why I think that you got this wrong is if you notice late in the fourth quarter, after the final fumble by Sam Hartman, he was shook. My man was torn up, not, not in the mood anymore. They pulled him out of the game. That would never happen to Teddy Bridgewater. He would just continue to take the hit after hit, after hit, after hit. And Hartman did credit to him. And he got hit so many times, but they had to pull him out because it was just getting miserable. What's, what's even more demoralizing for him is having Monty like pick him up and be like, oh, it's okay, man. Oh, that would have pissed me off so much more than like what I already was. And we just say, though, Sam Hartman confirmed not Gump. Not gum. Not gum. No, that's Not right. Gump. No, no. All right. Where Presley got it wrong one more time. They get they get chunk plays and they get them in a hurry. And and you know, I don't I don't know if you got it wrong per se, but they didn't get a, t- a ton of chunk plays and they certainly didn't get them in a hurry. So they, uh, wake they, force 10. They had 10 big plays and they all came in the second and third quarter. How about that? Okay. All right. So how about we we'll we'll push that one. And then finally, back-to-back here where Presley got it right, he said, run the ball with Malik Cunningham. I thought they did a great job in the first half establishing Malik Cunningham as a runner. He has two more touchdowns in that game. And then finally, he said, uh, Louisville will be the first to hold Wake Forest under 30 points on the backs of the defense and offensive play calling conducive to Louisville keeping the ball. Now, Wake Forest did ultimately win the time of possession, but it skewed way, way in their favor late in that game. And the, the final line here and the kicker, the absolute haymaker to finish this off. Wake Forest won't be able to stop it. 
How about that for a right and wrong this week, man? It's not only great to win, but it's great to be right every once in a while. You know, it just, I don't know if it's got something to do with Matt not being here. I don't know what it is. But he did great this past week. All right, week. bye. What's even, what's even better Happy is birthday. that we all right. got it right, and well, we mostly got it right. And I think that especially me and Vince said a lot of things that other people were not saying. I think a lot of people were like, Louisville's going to have to play a perfect game, which they did not by any means. No. Um, and, and they're going to have to get a lot of luck from Lake Forest. Now, the national media, and, and I'm going to sound like a, you know, MAGA guy or something here, but the, but the national media is, is spinning this in a way to say, well, it's just the worst quarter ever played by Lake Forest football. Like, just without giving Louisville any credit at all. And I know we're, we're going to have Keith on here in a second. And Keith loves to, to point this out, that, that the narrative always changes when Louisville does well under Satterfield. When they do bad, it's Sats bad, Sats bad. This is bad. This, that team sucks. You should never lose to them. And then when, you know, when people hype it up and they're like, oh, Louisville's never going to beat this team, and then Louisville beats that team, uh, a.k.a. like against Pittsburgh, against Wake Forest, then all of a sudden it's like, well, that team's not, you know, the most overrated top ten team ever. <laughs> Uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, just I mean, they lost to uh, who did Pittsburgh lose to? Somebody Georgia else. Tech. Yeah, they lost to Georgia Tech. So all of a sudden, it's just not a good win. But coming in, people were like, I don't think they can beat Pittsburgh. Coming in, people were like, I don't think they can, they can beat Wake Forest. Coming in, people were like, they can't hold Wake Forest on any thirty points. And every single time, the goalpost is moved. It goes, it goes from from you know saying that that Louisville just can't beat them because they're good, too good. To all of a sudden, oh well, that team just is garbage. I mean, I think the reality might lie a little bit somewhere in between. Um, but, but I, I think it needs to be pointed out and we'll get into the details a little bit down the road here, but it needs to be pointed out that we were correct when other people said we weren't going to be correct. And people can't take that away now, proactively, retroactively, whatever the word is like, we were right. They were wrong. Suck it. Thank you. Eat it. Eat it. LaFleur. Did you wear a a Fitbit on Saturday? No, I I didn't. And my Can you start wearing that to home football games? So I'm gonna put my watch. Burn, I'm gonna put my watch up on and him. down the stairs. That's it, what I'm gonna do. You want to know what's bullshit? Is my phone said I took like two thousand steps. I was like, I took like two thousand like actual steps. Yeah, you might have gone up two thousand <laughs> stadium yeah, steps. Right <laughs> at the at like right before we pieced out, like you know, towards the middle of the fourth quarter, and went down and sat Ooh. with Alex's parents. Um, I was like, I was like. I could have gone to sleep right there in my seat in Cardinal Stadium. I was panting. I was sweating profusely. I don't know why I keep wearing a jacket. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> uh, but, no, I mean, it's, it's a great time. I'm enjoying being a fan this year. Like, I think everybody's finally seeing me be a fan. Like, I've just decided just F the, you know, the negativity or any of that stuff. Like, we can, you know, we're going to have plenty of that with basketball season and all that other – like, I just want to enjoy my team and watch them win, and we've gotten to do that a lot this year, which is great. That's right. And things are looking upward for Louisville right now. I mean, we talked about just a couple of weeks ago where we got it wrong was really doubting Louisville having any chance at six wins. That's very much on the table. Obviously, this weekend you win and you're, you're going and playing some postseason football, but there's much more to achieve here uh, for Louisville. And there's a lot um, for them to, to continue to prove. So there is still a, a lot. This is definitely not where the end all be all for Louisville. Their measuring stick is not whether or not they beat Wake Forest. Clemson coming up, NC State, Kentucky. Those are the teams that you're going to judge yourself against. 
Uh, not that Wake Forest isn't good, but th- that's a game that's uh, – this is Wake Forest's probably lone year of being a top-10 program, which kudos to Louisville for knocking them off when they were there. Uh, but some of these other programs that they're going to play against are teams that they've not played well against over the last several years. Uh, and so you got to come out and continue each week to, to move the needle. Scott Satterfield talked about you can't get – uh, stagnant. You, these guys need to continue to be, you know, um, infectious with their with their turnover desires and wanting to get the ball. Um, obviously, that was uh, incredible to watch. All right, we're going to take a quick break here early in the show. We're going to come back and we're going to get into uh, breaking down the Wake Forest game with uh, with uh, Vince's game notes. Excited for Keith Wynn to be a part of this conversation because we are about to experience football nerds being football nerds right here in this segment. So we hope you'll tune in for that. We'll dive into all of that. And then we'll talk about uh, James Madison and what you can expect on Saturday. If you don't have your tickets, press pause, do what you did last week. Go get your tickets right now. $8, no fees. If you need help finding it, Presley Meyer on Twitter at press Meyer, will get you hooked up or at the state of Louisville. You, we will get you tickets if you need tickets. Uh, but until then, we appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, the best way to support us is by supporting the the partners and people who support uh, the state of Louisville and the Front Pink Seats podcast, and that's Kern's Corner. Uh, we would encourage you to go out there, check out Kern's Corner in the Highlands, some of the best food and beer you will find. I know you say, well, how can beer be good? I'm telling you, Kern's Corner, the beer, it's got something in it because it is money. The chili, the patty melt, all of it is great. We hope that uh, this fall you'll take a trip out there and enjoy that. We'll be right back on the other side with Keith Wen. Does this ever happen to you? Do you ever get sick of listening to the same old sports radio, Mount Rushmore this, hot seat that, the same rehashed old musty takes you've been hearing for years? Does it send you into a fit of rage causing you to lose control of the steering wheel, crashing into a vehicle leading to you being late to a big meeting at work which leads to your ultimate firing and downward spiral of your life? Does this ever happen to you? Don't send your life into a downward spiral. Do what thousands of others are already doing, listening to the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Louisville football, basketball, Women's basketball, baseball, Louisville City and racing Louisville soccer, Louisville culture, and so much more. State of Louisville Podcast Network and stateofLouisville.com. Real fans' opinions for real fans like you. We are back from the Pink Seeds Podcast. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavick, Vince LaCoco, Presley Meyer, the gang is all here. And we're joined by our good friend uh, for, I think this is like seven or eight, which it's fitting here on the 100th episode that we would have our. Uh, number one recurring guest, Keith Wynn, join us from Card Chronicle. Keith, welcome into the show. How about three wins against Power 5 opponents with the third being a win against a top-10 team? It doesn't get any better than that around here, does it? It's definitely uh, the most exciting it's been for a good while. And, you know, it's not just the wins, it's how they're winning, which is, you know, just, just really exciting brand of football right now. So uh, definitely a lot of fun right now. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the nuts and bolts of what we saw on the field. Vince's game notes the best segment in sports each week. Vince dives into the game film and tells us what he saw. It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's game notes with Vincent Lacoco. Vince, I'm really excited for this one with Keith here. Uh, you guys are going to nerd out, as I said, at, uh, leading into the break there. So, Vince, I will turn the floor over to you for Vince's game notes. I mean, there's really not much to talk about, Jacob. The third quarter is all we really need to watch. I mean, that was the entirety of the game. So, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, go go. I kind of did my notes up quarter by quarter. So, that's uh, kind of how I'm going to go along here. Uh, starting it off with JT again, guys, it's nice to have a consistent kicker. I mean, yeah, we got screwed on the uh, on the one where we had, where we had two penalties, but I mean, he hit the first two. I mean, you were sitting there with Ryan Shalifo, uh, Jacob, and he was like, mm-hmm. "Do you really expect him to hit that third one? That's some BS." So, 
Yeah, back uh, all the way up to the can't really can't really fault him for that one. Yeah. yeah. So, and they also another highlight on special teams. This will be the only two special teams talks we have tonight. I know it's really riveting, like starting out with special teams here. But they spoke about Braden Smith, Braden Smith being one of the uh, better punt returners in the ACC, which, I mean, that's that's nice and uh, feels good considering, you know, my buddy Rajay Burns returned punts for years as an outside <laughs> linebacker and went probably a total of five yards in three years. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Return is the questionable word there. Fielded punts is what he's he did. a punt catcher. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, let's uh, B Brown had a great blitz that he ran in the first quarter. It was the one Mike Glennon highlighted uh, on his Twitter post. And I mean, what essentially we had more guys than they did coming up the middle is how Mike summarized it. And that's how it was. Uh, it's a harder play, though, than you really think, because Josh Minkins has to time everything up from that safety position. If he hits it too early, the center's going to see it. You know, Wake Forest is a smart enough football team to where they can check out a bit and uh, run something different. A lot of the stuff Sam Hartman does is just decision-based anyways. Uh, so Josh really had to time it up well. Uh, Momo eats up that block. That play doesn't happen if Momo Sonogo doesn't eat up two blocks right there, taking up the center and the guard. Uh, so, I mean, that's just – it's a, just a great overall play by those guys, and uh, it was a smooth smooth dial-up for B. Brown for what more was to come later on down the game. And I think one thing that stood out about that play and, and you kind of saw as the game went on is that they're kind of giving these kind of dummy looks on the outside where it looks like, you know, one or another guy are coming and then they back down the coverage. So, you know, you end up kind of getting that pressure without committing six plus guys, you know, like with that all out blitz, you still got guys coming out. And I thought that was really interesting because they ended up five guys rushing even though they ran that blitz because I think it was Monty and somebody else back out. And that just, that, that, that makes it harder for Hartman because if he wants to get it out quick, he's got to see where those guys are going. And, you know, just, I thought that was kind of a theme throughout the game. And I love that throughout the entire game. It, it makes sense based off last week where we had a lot of uh, off the edge pressures coming and yep. a lot more stuff like that. B Brown just kind of threw a change up in there, I guess. And, exactly. and shoot, I'm glad he did. <laughs> Uh, going into the second quarter, we get Marshawn's touchdown. Jacob's favorite, I think, term on the show now, the high school Harry block. Um, he is an elite high school Harry, dude. He, he, he does it elite. like nobody else. I mean, it's the best, the w- best worst block in football, in my opinion, because a lot of times it leads to a touchdown or a big play like that. And, uh, you know, uh, the only complaint on that is you want to see him score. I mean, I mean, you can't do all that work just not to score is – is a bit frustrating in my opinion, but uh, I'm, yeah, I, I mean, we don't need to talk about it, but can, the, the throw, I mean, it's just, <laughs> God, every week we talk about the Josh, the Josh Lipson touchdown, uh, the, the throws early in the season from Malika. I mean, it's just, everything is perpetually one step short from a throwing standpoint. I, I, I was ready don't to understand my hair out uh, rewatching the game when I saw the Jalen Carter touchdown. Because I was like, oh, my God, this was the worst football ball I've ever seen. But then I remembered Braden Smith threw it. I completely forgot. <laughs> I was looking at my phone during that play. I forgot it was a pitch. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but uh, continuing on, I mean, that was just a great play by Marshawn. It was a great setup. If Marshawn doesn't BS that block so well, then they're just going to read that and run with him. And we have a dead play. Malik's either got to scramble or throw the ball away. Uh, we got screwed out of a pass interference call. Later, that leads surprise, to Wake Forest touchdown. I know. Surprise, surprise. I turned to Jacob after the second one, and I said, death taxes and getting screwed by Wake Forest. Uh, 
and the officials. I mean, there's nothing. Dave Clawson is Tom Izzo when it comes to complaining, like straight up. If you listen to the, to the broadcast friend of the show, Eric McLean, uh, by the way, who's just giving you guys shout outs all the time on, on ACC network. Now, Um, (laughs) uh, Eric said after like literally on Wake Forest third drive, he said that Wake had three questionable calls already, like just, just in that span. So if you, if you just like listen back to that, like when you got when you have a guy who's a Clemson guy, probably doesn't give two craps who who wins or who plays well and who doesn't, saying that like there there was there were three very clear calls right there uh, that were where the rest screwed over Louisville in the first half, um, in the first quarter. So and, and that one was uh, the last one. Presley, correct me if I'm not. Was that was the touchdown pass that was even more blatantly obvious once people posted it on Twitter. I mean, that was terrible. I didn't see that angle, that tight angle, that inside mm-hmm. angle where the ball is just sitting on the ground. No, I mean, they, they showed it in they showed it in the stadium. I mean, it was obvious from from where I was sitting that it was that you could see underneath him that the ball hit the ground. Um it, it I mean, was it's one of the it's one of the worst uh missed blown calls, especially for it being a scoring play. I, I can't think of of anything more egregious than that uh since the since the fake fair catch against UConn I think that's we potentially have seven points scored on us (laughs) like (laughs) that that's it the best angle was the was behind the play where you see him from behind and the ball is like squirting out underneath him and behind him it was just it's just one of those things where I mean you you know you watch it and the the first replay showed that that Trey Clark played through his hands and knock the ball out. And I, I remember tweeting, I was like, that's not a touchdown. Great play by Trey Clark to, to rip through. And I just I just didn't expect it to be uh, held up. And, you know, Eric McElhane was just like, yeah, that's not a catch. I mean, he was just, you know, watching at home and watching the broadcast. I was like, yeah, this is obviously going to get overturned. You know, hopefully they can get a stop. And then when they announced it, I was like, yeah, this is, this is, this is what they're going to deal with for the rest of the game is the refs playing a role into the game, which is always the worst thing. And not only that, earlier in that drive, there was the – I've never – and I've watched a lot of football. I've never heard forward progress being applied to a sack. Yeah. Like, at least when – when if they're in the process of getting knocked backwards, sure. But he's standing completely still, and they call forward progress on a sack. What, not, I, not only that, but his feet were, were moving – and yeah. he was being pushed side. So it was, yeah, it was a whole, yeah. Louisville had well, 10, tur- and, and, 10 turnovers and in, in nine sacks in that game that I'm telling you, like legitimately, <laughs> if you count them from the officials taking away two of them, nine sacks, 10 turnovers. That's ridiculous. Just ridiculous. So that, that, that still went as a sack. It just didn't go as a fumble. Yeah. That they were on one for real. And it's saying something consider what they did last year leading into halftime. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just a Wake Forest thing. It's definitely a Wake Forest thing. Screw Wake Forest. But uh, (laughs) going into halftime, I mean, guys, we did a great job getting into the red zone, but still we're not executing well enough to get in the red zone. It's very frustrating uh, getting down there, and sometimes we seem to get a little vanilla with stuff. Uh, Trust Malik too much on a run maybe, or uh, maybe just run too basic of an inside zone play right up the middle with nothing behind it, no motion, no shifts, no movements or anything. I think that's where we hurt ourselves or putting Malik in these situations where he has to throw a fade route or something that requires him to have a lot of touch and really pinpoint a ball 
that's not his thing. He, he should not be having to do that uh, down in the red zone. That's my opinion. I, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but uh, you know, I pointed this out the other day. Like, uh, I was, I was, I've been, you know, trying to look at stats and see kind of what's, what are some things they need to work on, blah blah blah. And one of the things I, I noticed is that in 2019, uh, when Louisville was at their best at red zone touchdown percentage, I want to say 68 percent. Uh, they're 51 percent right now to, to to give the discrepancy from where they were to where they are now. Malik only had six rushing touchdowns that entire year, you know. And right now, when they get down the red zone, and he's he's going to be running the ball into the end zone if they're scoring right now. I mean, it's not even a there's no there's not really a lot of other options that they're that they have to their to uh, you know available to them. And I think it's because they don't have a passing game down there. There's everyone knows that Malik is going to have to run the ball in, you know, this, you can even go back to the Clemson game last year when they got down there and it was, okay, what are they going to do? Well, Malik's going to run it. So where is he going to run it is all you're really worried about. They've got a, you know, in, in 2019, you saw a lot of that RPO, that quick RPO with Marshawn leaking out into the flat and they scored on that multiple times. They've got to either find a way to get back to some of that stuff or utilize some of the size they have outside with Tyler Hudson and his, his insane catch radius. I'd like to see at least an option to throw the ball out to the outside in the in, in the goal line situations um, to to just mix it up at this point because everyone knows that Malik's going to be running the ball down there. And don't get me wrong, he's great at making people miss and outrunning people to the to the goal line, but that, that only works for you know you can't be a one trick pony, and I think that's what they are right now down at the goal line. No doubt. I mean, I I agree with you for sure. I think that in 2019, the plays that were being called, it felt like were less of let's have a guy out. Like, for example, let's have Seth, Seth Dawkins out there on an island and let's just throw it to him and have him go up and get it. Like, it's not that easy. A lot of Malik can't throw that type of ball. But I think to your point, he can throw a lot of these uh you know, the crossing routes pattern stuff. You saw him hit lifts and granted it wasn't a good ball. I mean, he still got him and we still got a touchdown. And those uh, inside zone plays where Marshawn's leaking out, I mean, are even followed up better with a guy like Dwayne Martin coming right behind him for Marshawn's your decoy now and you can dump it on a shovel or a nice yep. little dump to Dwayne. So, I mean, this it stuff's there. Like Whenever I tell people he can be sexy with his offense, people don't believe me. Well, let me ask you this then. Uh, you know, we know that he loves his his you know packages with with a, with larger guys in there, right? And and <laughs> I, I was trying, I was really trying to think of a better way to say that. He, but we know he likes his his, <laughs> his big guy packages. <laughs> well, personnel. Uh, but are, are personnel. There, I guess he just calls it personnel. I don't know. <laughs> big guy. I want my big guy package. That's what he yells, man, on the goal line. I need my Jacob, big guy package. You, Jacob and, and Keith, especially, you guys need to get your wives to, to refer to as the big guy personnel from now on. <laughs> um, no, okay, but we know that he likes to, he likes to change it up when they're you know kind of between the twenties, right? But is is there anything in the playbook where they can spread it out a little bit? Uh, <laughs> and again, I mean, <laughs> you can always spread it out. I mean, well, I, but okay, but but they, would they the five? 
were they the five yard line? You know, we are 18, 18 years old, man. The 18 year olds wouldn't even be laughing at this. Like, the we're four. Like, come on, man. We got to guess. We, I was going to try to incorporate a Saturday night into that spreading it out. Or, you know, like, you know, the nights when they usually spread it out is on a Saturday night. Little drinks go. I don't know. I was going to try to go there. But I mean, Pres, you, you can't you can spread it out when you're at the five, but. What are we gonna run? If we go, if we go, put Malik back there. He's the single back, and we got the running back split out wide now. What's coming? Give me a screen I mean, pass. A I don't draw. know, man. Exactly, it's gonna be a QB draw, but they're gonna stuff that out for sure. See, so, okay, but is there is there nothing? Do we not trust the offensive line enough and Malik enough to have four receivers and a tight end, or three receivers and a tight end at, from the seven yard line, and ha- you know have three guys running different routes, one guy blocking, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. is there, is there nothing in the playbook where, because I, I don't, I cannot think of a situation where even when Louisville had good wide receivers, where and not that they have bad wide receivers, you know what I'm saying? Where they had capable guy, guys that, that were, you know, primary targets um, where they, they could kind of set that up in that area of the field. Yeah. I think some of that comes down to, I do think Malik has limitations as a, as a passer. I mean, I don't think that that's any secret. I think there's a trust factor there of, you know, throwing the ball in that situation, much tighter spaces, much, you have to be much more pinpoint with your throws. And I think there's a trust factor of, okay, there, you know, you turn the ball over down there and it's much worse than at least getting your points, getting three points. And I think they get very conservative because of the fact that being conservative with Malik's legs is a better option than being, you know, somewhat, I don't want to say reckless, but a little bit, you know, maybe uh, aggressive. less conser- yeah. aggressive with him throwing the ball. Yeah. And I think that's something they've got to, and you look back to where they were throwing the ball and scoring uh, in 2019, it's still conservative throws where you're just, okay, here's a RPO and okay, we're leaking a tight end out there and it's very hard to screw this up kind of situation. They've never really trusted him to be able to step back and drop back and throw a slant throw a cross across the back of the back of the end zone. They don't use the 10 yards into the end zone. I've, I've pointed this out in a couple of posts. The 10 yards of the end zone, most teams utilize that as 10 extra yards. Louisville is allergic to that. That's an absolute no. We're not throwing into the end zone at all. They just have not done that. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, it, it worked a lot up until now. It's not working at all. And that's where – you know, Scott and his staff's got to do something different. They got to find a way to fix that because the first comment out of his mouth, this this presser the other day was about the fact that they didn't score down there and they were kicking the field goals. And he's 100 percent right. Yeah, I mean, and you you have to think to back to, you know, th- you're not going to be creating that many turnovers. You're not even going to create half that amount of turnovers in an average game. So yeah, I mean. Louisville has to do a much better job, obviously. I mean, not to state the obvious, but they but they have to do a better job of of converting when they get down there. And I, as we, you were talking, Keith, I just looked it up. 87th in the country in, in red zone conversion percentage with 80%. And that's touchdowns and field goals. So that's – you know, Worse when you get to just touchdowns only. Yeah, and I was going to say I'm trying to find touchdowns only, but I would I would imagine it's 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 about as they're, bad as They're 105th in the country in touchdown percentage in the red zone. That is not sexy. Vince, let's talk about what else was sexy, and that was the defense in the third quarter. What do you got? What do you got on that? I mean, you started off with Trey Clark's interception. It was a beautiful hell of a play. I mean, they talked about it on uh, the broadcast. He he ran the route for him, 
it it was ideal. Trey saw the guy's hips break down. And he immediately, I mean, just broke towards the ball. As soon as Hartman's, as soon as Hartman broke, it, the Trey was going, and he just hit it in stride. And I, I thought he was going to get a little excessive celebration, pointing at the dude running into the end zone. But I'm glad he didn't, because I mean, it looked cool. <laughs> it was it was fun. <laughs> but I mean, it was a great play. There's nothing really more. The, the whole third quarter is just summed up by great plays. You have Yasir uh, just destroying their D-linemen on uh, their backup tackle. I, eventually, we mentioned that last show. I think Presley pointed that out, that I mean they had their backup tackle, and we knew that was going to – that matchup between him and Yasir was eventually going to go in our favor at some point. Yeah, yeah. you're talking about against Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, the week prior – I don't know. Was it that? What I thought yeah, they had the yeah, backup tackle last week. No, Wake Wake also or this had week. starting left tackle was out last week. Interesting. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah. yeah. So that's two weeks in a row. Yasir's just gotten gotten a matchup that's very favorable for and, him. And it, just want to throw this in as well. We'll get into it in a second. But James Madison has two of their right. their two best offensive linemen are either questionable or will be out this week. Yep. So. Right tackle and left tackle. There you Ooh. go. Feel better. Not Ooh, to mention Todd and Teo. We don't even know if what his status is because they're being they're being super hush-hush secretive about what his status is all week in practice. All right, shush, shush, birthday boy. We got we to gotta finish up this, this segment first. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Hey, hey, Jared Dawson, shout out. Jared Dawson had, uh, had a hell of a play during that, uh, during that third quarter. Uh, beat a guy just straight up on a, off a get-off, striking him and dipping his inside shoulder, and that same shoulder that he dipped with, he ended up making the sack with, it was – Mark Ivey's putting that on teach tape for his interior D lineman. And, you know, whenever he go talks to a clinic, that's a clip he's going to end up showing to people. 100%. I think, I think Jared Dawson's having one of the most underrated seasons of the entire team. I have I to agree with you, Keith. I mean, it's, knowing it's where that fun. kid's come from is, I mean. It's so much and, fun to watch a guy who, who you know, has struggled. I won't say struggle. He, he, it, it, it wasn't a fast path to the field. And to be honest, you know, if Jermaine Lole doesn't go down, his snaps are much lower than they are right now. He's taking advantage of the opportunity to get out there. And, you know, I, I wrote – I've been writing a five plays posts every week because I don't always get to do a full film review. And one of the plays I pointed out last week is, you know, you see you got a got a tackle for loss or, or run stuff. And it, it showed up on the highlight films all week. And everybody's pointing out, like, look at this play that your Sierra made. It's like, dude, Jared Dawson runs the center back into the running back, makes him stop his feet. Then he has a change direction, and he runs right into your Sierra The play is made by Jared Dawson. The stat and the highlight goes to your Sierra but yeah. you've got to give credit to these guys. You know, when you watch the plays, you got to give credit to the guys that truly <laughs> make the play. Jared Dawson makes that play, and it's a huge stop. And, yeah, you don't get the you – know, you know, it's funny because after the play, he just walks back to the line. Yeah. And and I want to make the case that um Dawson's forced fumble was arguably the play of the game because obviously we know that that third quarter opens up with uh, Clark's pick six, and then not Louisville's next offensive drive, but the drive after that, they get all the way down to the 20 or 25, whichever that area of the field. Instead of trying to sell it for the points, remind remember it's only a twenty to fourteen game at this point. It's still a one possession game. They have the opportunity to settle to settle for the field goal, but settling for the field goal would make it a two possession game. They opt to go for it and get stuffed, and Wake Forest gets the ball back. And 
they immediately start driving down the field. I mean, Sam Hartman, 22 yards, Sam Hartman, seven yards, just sells in three yards, then a one yard, then a seven yard. But I mean, you get the idea. There's they're starting to drive down the field. They get all the way to Louisville's own 24 yard line. Reminder, it's still a one possession game at this point. Wake Forest scores here. They either tie, they either tie or take retake the lead. And this the complexion of this game changes entirely. Wakes on the 24, and then Jared Dawson gets that fumble, and then that directly leads to Tyon Evans' 52-yard run, which which kickstarted a span of three touchdowns in three minutes. So if Jared Dawson doesn't get that fumble, that 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 sack fumble, this very well could have still could have been a Wake Forest win still because that fumble there is what really kickstarts uh, kickstarted Louisville's momentum into overdrive. All right, Wildcat Matt over here talking about Wake Forest wins and stuff. <laughs> I will say this. One thing that I thought was really cool is after that play, Momo Snuggo, who got the turnover because he was recovered it, gave the turnover belt to Jared Dawson to to celebrate. And I thought that, like, I'm, I'm a huge Momo Snuggo fan. I've talked about him a lot, but mm-hmm. that's the type of leadership type of moment that I think is really indicative of what he's brought to this team. Of I don't I don't even need the, the true – I don't need the credit. I don't need the show. You made the play, go celebrate it and get the get the accolade. I thought that was really cool. Uh, the I mean, just seeing where Jared Dawson has come from as whenever he entered as a freshman, still that quiet kid that, like Keith, you said, where he just makes the play and just walks back to the huddle like, you know, he just threw something away in the trash can. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's he just worked and worked and worked and worked, saw opportunity, take advantage of your opportunity. I mean, it's – what you expect from a college football player. Come in, red shirt, get your weight on, get everything right, potentially play, potentially play, take advantage of your opportunity. That was It was cool to see. Uh, yep. Even more cool to see was Tyon with the huge run. Uh, that play, you know, it was your typical turning back yeah. to 2019, Javian Hawkins sees a cutback lane. That one uh, cut right was. Right off that tackle. And boom. That, yeah. that was the run of the year, man. That, that that's was, that's the that SEC sexy. speed that we've all been waiting to see, you know, that he's finally got the uh, got the opportunity to show it off. Like uh, Chad said, uh, this summer, he's just different. You know, and it's just that, that speed, you know, I think that's the only real difference. I think these other running backs have played fine. I, they've played well. I think they've played good. I think they've done what, they're, what you expect them to do. But he just brings a different level with that. Not just the vision – the cut and then the speed to run away is all all those things that you need out of the out of the running back position that we just haven't seen with him being out. And I think that's a, a key going forward is can he be that guy every week to maybe be able to make that big play? And I, I think uh Keith, I think he was struggling to read holes at the beginning of the season. It looked like, you know, that cutback lane he hit on Saturday, I don't I'm not so sure he would have hit you know, earlier in the season against, you know, Florida State or Syracuse or somebody like that. I think one of the things is that you see the hole in that zone that's ahead of you routinely and it closes because you don't have you don't always have that second, third level blocker. You don't always have the your offensive lineman being able to scrape and move into the second level yep. Yep. like you like you do in other running schemes. So you're seeing something and it's gonna close much more quickly. So you have to see what's you know what's behind you and what's what, well, not behind you on the other side of you but you know I think also the the, the coaching staff wants you to hit it and get positive yardage okay and, you know I always go I go back to the Virginia game and I think that's the best game they've had running the football because they just took what was available 
but I think that's where I where I come back to. You put Tyon in there, and and if you can, if guys can see it a little bit better, you're going to find those cut lanes that you can get. But I just haven't seen it. The guys are just getting what they have, and you're getting that four yards, and that's really what you need. You know, stay on schedule, and it's important. But I just think that 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 run, and also the the Syracuse run, it's like man, it just he just sees it sometimes a little bit better, and that cut that he makes, and he's just gone. And you know, even you know, obviously, you go back to what two years ago when Jalen Mitchell was getting walked out against Wake Forest. Uh, two years ago, to the point where Satterfield <laughs> called him out after the game. And, I told him know, to look at the screen after that play, Keith. I was like, "Did you look at the? Did you look at the jumbo He's like, "No, nobody told me that." <laughs> but I, I just don't know if they, those guys, all have had that home run, you know, hitting ability. And even Jawar Jordan, you just like I know he has that speed. We've seen it a little bit. I expected maybe him to, you know, be that guy. Tyon's the only guy that's shown that he can take it to the house, and hopefully you see that continue because it's a whole new dimension to the offense when they have that available. I want to know how y'all feel about this. Uh, it happened earlier in the game, wasn't called. It happened later in the game, it gets called. Trey Clark's on the soup on the suplex. <laughs> I have no problem with it, especially since both times, as Max Martin pointed out, sitting next to us, Jacob, former wrestler, it was a proper suplex. He didn't drop him <laughs> on his neck. Nope, it, it would have scored points. It would have been. It would have been fine. It was clean. He got lucky he didn't get a taunting call, which I, maybe that's what it was because he did kind of stand over him afterwards. The Do you expect him not to, though? No. I mean, I, the official, hold, on. I mean, like, hold on. Can you all? Can you imagine what I would do if I did that? The game would have been over for me. I would I have know. come you, off. I don't know. You probably would have, like, broke a hand or something. You no, literally I'm, cut your I'm, hand on like conduct, 15 yeah. yards, <laughs> automatic I'm, first down. <laughs> I would get way too hyped if I suplex slam somebody in a football game. That's just one of those moments where you just, like, that's football. Right. Like you just got to be able the fans should have the ability to veto one call a game uh, in unison, like a button almost. <laughs> and we would have all buzzed down on that one to let it go because that is freaking football at its best. If we're taking away suplex slams. Do we even want to play football anymore? Like, that's an honest question. And, uh, and they, they pointed that out on one of uh, on Debo's hit like that, that his hit that he had would have been, you know, a penalty in the NFL because he hit him just slightly around the waist. Wasn't yeah. like below the waist, but it was questionable. I, I I don't know. What what else we got in the third quarter? I want to quickly. Speed uh, well, this I mean, so we I thought the whole. I thought we sealed the game with Riley's interception. You mentioned that earlier. What a play! I didn't see. Uh, I I couldn't remember what route, what the route was, how well he played it. I saw him running, and I mean, we got at that point. I was kind of clocked out, anyways. I thought we had won. Uh, <laughs> it was it was it was a great play, and I mean, even the cooler part. Oh shoot! I jumped over Monty's interception. I for yeah, Monty had the interception. Tossed it to tossed it to Josh. I mean, I never would have thought that that would have worked in a game. If anybody's gonna do it, it's oh, Monty it was beautiful. Can I call out one thing here? I just want to make I sure care. I highlight yes, this. I, I've got to highlight this, man. Uh, I didn't notice it in real time, but the blocking out in front by Mason Ryger. We need to have a conversation about Mason Ryger playing in the backfield as a two-way player that dude was blocking <laughs> his freaking ass off man it was so much fun to watch i watched the play four or five times it's like you know like a couple weeks ago or last week when they built the wall around malik like riger took it personally that he was going to lead minkins into the end zone like it was just a thing of beauty to watch i Keith, I, I love Mason Ryger. He might be one of my favorite players of the last like five to 10 years for Louisville. Just the way he, every single time you put the film on or you see him, he's just doing something that's a winning play, always. Like you just love think, to see it. I think the the thing about 
you know, Ryger is that, you know, like when he, when he started playing last year, you know, like this is a walk-on freshman out there playing. And, you know, I think one of the things that stood out immediately is like, like not only does he have the physical build that you want to see from a guy playing, you know, he's, you know, what, six fours, you know, somewhere on there, two, 250 big. to 280. And who knows, and somewhere in that range. But I think that he uses his length so well, but he plays – you you've got the physical physical ability, but he's also got that mindset of a hey, I had to work to get here, and I'm going to keep working until I get to where I need to be. Like that walk on mentality is something that you want to see. But with the physical tools he has, he's able to really kind of take it to another level. And I think one thing that he's done, and I thought that I think is really impressive, is that he he knows how to get into the backfield and get guys to the ground. It's not always a big hit. It's not always, it's it's clipping guys' legs. It's things like that. He just gets out, gets after it. And, you know, I think that out of anybody on the defensive line, you know, talked about how, how much Jared Dawson's played well. But I think them being able to rely on their second and third unit on the defensive line this year is something that I swear to God, there's not a chance in hell I would have ever considered being a thing before the season started. I'll just be honest. I, I hell, on this podcast myself, I questioned Mark Ivey not having enough guys being ready to play, and I, I'll eat tons of crow because I just didn't see it. I, you know, he came out and was like, I only have six guys. Same, like, same full-ass of crows. Yeah, right? eat it and, all. You know, I, I've been more critical of Mark Ivey than any other coach and staff because I, I feel like the defensive line hadn't been what it's beaten what it needs to be. They are the reason – in my opinion, why this defense is playing at such a high level, not just from a productivity standpoint, but affecting the game to help everyone around them play better. Give me that all day. And that's like, he deserves a ton of credit because like, it's, it's it, you know, losing Jermaine Lole, which is like, Hey, he was the guy that was a change his defense this year, 22 snaps and he's done. And they're, they're playing at a high level. You know, Mark Ivey deserves all the, all the praise in my opinion, but his guys are playing at a high level they played I'll also say they played terribly against Boston College and that's why that's part of the reason why they played so poorly but every other game they've been part of the reason why their defense has stepped up and played so much better this year I, and I love to see it it's great to watch hey let me just tell you this real quick Mason Riger is a baby JJ Watt uh Vince go on here we'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah. with with Vince go on with Vince's game notes oh my god uh so <laughs> moving on with that third quarter we have Braden Braden Smith with another touchdown pass which is stupid by Wake Forest. I mean, like, you, you see Braden Smith in the backfield? Uh, that's what I said. As soon as I saw that. Any, oh, nothing's happening, guys. They subbed out all four of the running backs. He put a wide receiver back here. Oh, he also he also already has a touchdown pass on the year. Let's, uh, uh, nothing's going on here, though. Nothing's He's almost got on. as many touchdowns as Malik Cunningham. That's yeah. the funny thing, man. I just it, it made no. It made, it, I mean, it was a great play. Great play call by Sat was very creative. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't notice it during the game when it happened. So I'm hating on Wake Forest, but I didn't see it. Uh, it was a great play. Good pass by Braden. Uh, I don't know how they didn't notice that. And then the Riley ball was just a terrible pass by Hartman. Uh, was the dagger. And uh, I quit watching it after that. I'm not gonna lie to y'all. Yeah, well, how about Quincy Riley pulling a Gerard Holloman late in the fourth quarter by just being so determined to go five yards that he went <laughs> oh, 40 yards Oh, even better, backwards. his mom tweeting, yeah. saying, go down. 
Yeah. Hey, oh, that, that was great. Classic. I, I love that. Overall, guys, I thought it was – I had a great time on Saturday. I don't know about y'all. Keith, I don't know where you watch the game. Like, I, you know, I, I get I, I get pretty animated. I watch it home because I, I, that's just me. I, I've always enjoyed. But, you know, I got pretty animated because it was such a big game. And I think the refs inserting themselves in the game just made it made me more animated. So, you know, when that third quarter hit, you know, first and foremost, I'm 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 openly critical of, of, of things when things happen. Like I, I I try not to be disrespectful, but, you know, I watched these games and Keytro Clark throughout the season. I felt like just wasn't playing at the level I think he could play. One hundred percent. But at the and same time, you can't help but sit back and say, you know, he's going to it's going to click at some point. Right. At some point it's going to happen. And watching him get that pick six was just so much fun for me. And I'm screaming in my house. My, <laughs> my wife's like, okay, like maybe calm it down a little bit. Kids are, you know, <laughs> freaking out a little bit. It looks scary. But, you know, once that hit, it was just really fun to watch these guys. Because here's the thing. Louisville's football players have been playing so hard and trying to get to this point of getting these wins and getting over that hump that we, you know, we keep hearing about and whatnot. It's not because of lack of effort. And to see these guys play as hard as they have been and finally have it go go right the way. It started with the Virginia game where they get the lead and they, they hold on to it, right? You get the pit game and they after the first quarter or the first couple scores or the first, what, score and field goal or whatever, they really seem to get it together and get it going. And then you get this game where they actually got to have a fun, like kind of like relaxed kind of game where they're just oh, they out there making loose. plays. It was just really mm-hmm. fun to watch and watch these guys play that well. And then the fans got into it, man. It was it was on TV. You can hear the fans get into it. So watching from home for me was really cool because you could you could see the atmosphere was great. But I think the big thing is watch these guys be able to make plays and see the guys that you know could play at a higher level get that going. I mean, even Quincy Riley. I've been hyped since that guy committed, and I was like, this is going to be the guy that really changes the secondary. And it just hadn't really – he hadn't really been – he's been a step away in a couple couple opportunities. And he finally goes out there and gets a pick six, gets another interception that led to just the funniest moment of, of a game in, in a long time. It's like you're running into the end zone, bro. Like, you you, you can't do that. Like, just go down. <laughs> tell me uh, – she tweeted me. She said, I'm still going to choke him out after the game. I was like, it's just great. I, I, <laughs> I just had a really good time, man. It was fun watching that game. It was fun with all the – everything that came with it. And you feel like the season has that opportunity to turn itself around. There's still work to do, but just having that as opposed to this, uh, un, you know, it's just it just hadn't really been a fun season up until that game. I don't think. Uh, let me just before we jump into James Madison, I've got two things I want to get to first. A cat just walked in my garage, and when he noticed that I was in here, he he panicked and ran away. That was great. <laughs> now, I'm gonna name that cat Matt, and he's gonna be Wildcat Matt. When he comes in my garage next time, Wildcat Matt is here. Oh, the second man. thing I want to get to the weekly recurring update, Jacob's sack update, an important part of every show at this point. We've got to talk about the sacks. Uh, from the Louisville football defense, eight sacks, eight different players getting sacks. And just to give an update on the leaderboard, Keith, this is we track the leaders in the sack category. This is an important category for us here. Uh, but right now, Yaya Diaby is still leading the way, five and a half sacks. He got the one on Saturday. You've got Yasir Abdullah right behind him at four and a half, Ashton at four, 
behind him. And then Monty and Momo at three and a half and two and a half. Uh, we did have a couple of new entries into the sack club this week, fellas. Uh, one Caleb Banks, that absolute trash compacted a, a, a human in, individual. The yeah, way that he, didn't look fun. No, the way he tackled Sam Hartman literally is what I would imagine a trash compactor looks like destroying trash. It was insane how bad that had to hurt. <laughs> so much bigger uh, than him. Yeah, that's a large man <laughs> creating a sack there. Love to see that. And then you've got Josh Minkins early in the game getting one. Quincy Riley and Cottrell Clark. So three sacks from the secondary. I always I always love that. It's, it's fun when you got guys coming in from all three levels getting sacks there. So now Louisville's total up uh, to 33. Cam yeah. Wilson Cam Wilson got robbed. They gave him a they gave him a forced fumble. Yep. It should have been a sack in the yep. fourth quarter. And mm-hmm. Bowling Green is playing right now, and they just passed Louisville for the sack total. So Louisville has to at least get a couple sacks this weekend. Wow, that's fair. Hey, wow. that's a like perfect that. segue. Damper on my yeah. spirit, Keith. Well, hey, it's, it's a, it sets up opportunity. That's all it is, and we're going to talk about that opportunity this week. Louisville will play against James Madison. A matchup, Keith. I know that you have been harping all season long. Is just absolutely horrible uh, placement. Scott Satterfield talked a little bit about that this week as well as just being horribly timed. I don't. It doesn't seem like anybody's excited about this game because you're playing a team that is been ranked in the top 25 and they're they're like the bellermen of college football right now is essentially what they are uh in their first year in the fbs level and they are playing extremely well but i want to come to presley for two weekly updates here we do this each week presley let's first get a weekly weather channel update what is the weather looking like for saturday night and then let's also go ahead and get a ticket master update how are we looking on tickets sold i know these are two categories each week that you pay a lot of attention to so give us an update i mean i, I literally and it's it's so dumb but it's just very me which i love that I, I just am checking the, the tickets constantly. Uh, so this, this week we've actually worked to so far. We got 16 people that have not been to a game this season. will be attending on Saturday. Woo. That's um, a, that's worth a round of applause. Round of applause. From if you're listening, uh, we're looking for four more right now. I have a, I have an older lady and her husband. They want to take their grandkids. So if anybody's got, if you're listening, you got four, uh, I want to get it to them, you know, hopefully before Saturday, but, Let's talk about the ticket availability. Louisville, yes. I believe, through Friday will have $8 tickets on their website. Um, if, if you need to click the social media, media links, but go to State of Louisville, uh, go to From the Pink Seats Twitter pages, go to my Twitter page, at Press Meyer, um, or, you go, or go to UofL Athletics Twitter pages, any of those places, or, or any of their social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, any of that stuff. You will find a link that will send you to $8 uh, fee-free tickets that those will get you in the door. That's you know, awesome. And as Louisville fans are, are well aware, you don't have to go sit in those seats. No, I was going to say, just a little word word of advice. If you're sitting in the, the flight deck or if you're sitting in the end zone with, with the Adidas end zone, move down. They yeah, go to the party deck. Yeah, Louisville has all kinds of party decks now. Um, and, yeah. and, and we spend a considerable amount of time on on those in those places because you can both watch the game and, and drink procure drinks at the same time. It, there's there's literally nothing better. Um, so I, I think that it, it also one more thing. If you're a veteran, free tickets this weekend, and that is uh, I, I'll I'll put the I'll put the link out again. I've also posted it on social media. But if you are a military veteran, uh, you can get tickets for you and your family to go to the game for free. So check that out um, on the links that we put up on social media. Um, the weather update: We are going to have our first rain game of the season. It looks like. No. And, and, and 
that's something that we've taken advantage of this this it's year. It's been the granted. best weather season. It's been of my so good, entire bro. life well, of football. So mm-hmm. Jacob and I were walking just around the tailgate, just having a good time Matt, on, should, on Saturday. Air conditioning. Why are you nodding your head? My AC gets real cold during. Matt does have to go outside in his defense to get from the press box to the media room after the game. I know. What was me? I know. know. So make sure you bring in a jacket or something, buddy. Um, but yeah, it's, this is going to be the first rain game of the, of the year. It looks like at least we'll have a, a wet field. So I'm sure, um, Vince, I, I'm sure you can attest. They're going to, you know, well, it's only a 50% chance of rain. I just looked it up. Yeah. Well, it, it's, and you know, it's Louisville too, but, but at least yeah. a, a chance of rain, it's going to be kind of, kind of balmy out there. Might get down into the forties before the game's over. Uh, so something to keep in mind, uh, I did do a little bit of research. Uh, now, Louisville's played in more than four rain games under Scott Satterfield, but the 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 games where it has truly rained under Scott Satterfield, Louisville has, has either gotten blown out or blown out the opponent. So um, two games 2019, if you remember, was a terrible weather season. Um, against UK, everybody remembers 2019. They got crushed by UK with uh, little what's-his-name. I try to forget. Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden, thank you. You're part of um, against against Syria. Uh, let's see, let's see, see against Miami that that season. Um, they they just got crushed, and we talked about Miami. It only rains on bucks. one side of the. Mm. What? Go ahead. It rains on one side of the stadium. It's BS. Is that true? Did it only rain? I mean, I don't know. You were there. Oh wait, you weren't there. We we talked about that. there. Um, the rumor that they designed the stadium to where it only rains and the weather only gets in on that one side of the, one sideline. That is savage as fuck, man. I'm not gonna. That is so savage. I would totally like where the the roof the roof covers more on one side than the I, I, yeah. I, so it just rains only on the opponent's side. That is savage. I would. I'm gonna. Well, it's I'm obviously gonna not like built like that. Where it's like, yeah, like that. sounds like something Seattle would do. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. Um, Very Seattle. Syracuse though in 2019 again the year of the rain uh, was a blowout win that season. If you remember, uh, they won by like 28 points, and it should have been more than that. Uh, and then 2021, that Duke game where Malik just ran all over everybody yeah. um, and set a bunch of records, that was a, a rain game as well. And Louisville won, I think, like 63 to 21 or something like that. So, yeah, well, let's let's uh, have that type of game. game here. Yeah, I was about to say, any any others, any others stand out to you guys as, as no. games they played in the rain? No, uh, Indiana State was 2018, State, so yeah. that wasn't him. Uh, but that is a memorable rain game uh, for the wrong reasons. So that's the only memorable thing out of that season. That's the right. Game, <laughs> I think the squirrel scored. The squirrel scored. Yeah, that year. Scored. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, uh, but oh, another squirrel on the field. I did yeah, spot on the sideline. Yeah. Another squirrel on the field. Our players tried to go pick it up for whatever <laughs> reason. Like, did y'all see not, that? Am I the only one that saw that? I know I saw. No, no, I, I, I saw it. Yeah, it was on the broadcast. Yeah, it was on the broadcast. It was hiding underneath the woman's jacket. Uh, rumor is that it was Lottie Stockwell. Um, there's no no confirmation of that rumor, but <laughs> we did find out. We we came to find out the fate of that squirrel after the touchdown. Oh no! Right? Oh no! Oh, what happened? We're gonna bring that up. Tut- okay, so so there's a difference. Rally squirrel survived. Yeah. Rally squirrel hit underneath <laughs> the jacket. Rally squirrel ended up outside the stadium. Rally squirrel is making squirrel families and stuff now. Uh, uh, but but touchdown squirrel he ran did. so hard and so fast that it <laughs> ran off the field and and passed away. 
No, it did. Y'all didn't know that? Yes, it did. I no, I I can confirm this. Swear to God, this is what happened. This is what this is what I was told from someone who actually watched it happen. It was take. It was captured and put in one of the trees in between. Um, at the time, it was in between uh the stadium and the Traeger Center, and then it was in there for a couple minutes, and then it fell out of the tree dead. <laughs> I swear to God, I am not making that up. It was a tree full of magic berries, and you know, just that is a, a rough night. Oh did, did well, they, well if you look on the broad, the, the Halloween rumor of Halloween candy being stuffed with drugs actually <laughs> was it really man. a tree outside the Trigger <laughs> Center with magic berries. Well, if if you go back and watch the broadcast, I mean, by the time the squirrel actually gets in the end zone and just stops, he's breathing a mile a minute. So he just this little squirrel heart just tuckered out. No, poor There's guy. many times where I ran that exact distance, that exact same field <laughs> that squirrels ran, and I felt the exact same way. So I understand. Oh, man. All right. Let's talk about Saturday. James Madison. We'll see if there's any more squirrels. I don't know. I think there's been other animals before in Cardinal Stadium. Uh, Yes. James Madison was what president? What number? Oh, I don't know, man. 14? Third? Four. Oh, I was. I, uh, Washington, Madison, Adams, close. Jefferson, Madison. And then Monroe. It gets a little confusing. A couple M's in there. But there you go. <laughs> a, little, a little trivia. Yeah, there we go. A little oh, social studies. Like a little social studies statistic for the evening. But uh, James Madison comes to town. They bring a winning record, 5-2, and two, as I mentioned, their first season in FBS football. And they've had a pretty good year so far. They they beat App State. They did so pretty handily. And then Middle Tennessee State, who both uh, have Power 5 wins against Texas A&M and Miami, respectively, there. They are coming off of two straight losses, I believe, to Georgia Southern and Marshall. Um, we'll talk a little bit about last week and, and kind of how that plays into this week. But they win against Marshall. They allow seven sacks and four uh, interceptions. Uh, from the poor backup, Billy Atkins. Poor guy, man. That's uh, just, oh, it was bad. 13 of 35, sacked seven times, four INTs, negative 23 rushing yards. Just a really bad game for him. Uh, and, Presley, you mentioned it a little bit ago, the offensive line, the injury status there will absolutely play a role in this game. Uh, but overall, there are some players you need to know for James Madison because this is not your your this is not your grandfather's James Madison. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me, but I'm just thinking of old people in James Madison. It's making me giggle. Uh, but this is a team that's got some NFL talent on it. I think uh, we've seen that um, kind of evolve over the year with guys that you've probably never heard of. First of all, Todd Santeo, a transfer, I believe I, I had seen he's from Colorado State, uh, but he is having a monster season. I think he's the number one ranked quarterback in pro football focuses rank at rankings in of college football. Um, so obviously, you know, he, he's had a big year there. Um, and it is the, in the top 20, I think in, in overall in passing yards or one of those statistics touchdowns um, having a really good season overall. And then they've got a wide receiver, Chris Thornton, who's top 25 in receiving yards. He's got five touchdowns on the season, uh, another dynamic skill player and running back. And I am going to absolutely botch this. Okay. This will 100% be on next week's right and wrong. Percy agile beast. Okay. That's what we're going to go with here from the running back. That's fair. That's about right. I mean, it that's how be, I deal with it. It might be obesity and I'm, I'm almost willing to bet it is, but we're going to go with obese for the sake here, but he's top 25 in the country in yards per carry. This is an offense that is dynamic. They've been able to move the football, but just about everybody they've played against, they've scored scored 38 plus in every game when they've had their starting quarterback in the lineup. He's thrown for two touchdowns in every game, but one this season. He's thrown for 250 yards four times, has a five-touchdown game. 
This is a team that does not miss tackles. I think their uh, their ranking is 15.5 in missed tackle rate, according to Pro Football Focus. So this is a team offensively that can move the football. Keith, defensively, they've got Isaac Ukwu. He's a defensive lineman with five sacks. Taurus Jones leads the team in tackles. He's second in interceptions. Jalen Walker, another linebacker who leads their team in, in-, in interceptions. They've got playmakers, man. Uh, so for Louisville, this game sandwiched in between Wake Forest and Clemson. How how do they, in your opinion, kind of attack this team uh, starting on the on the offensive side? How do they get after Santeo and kind of assuming he's in the game? And how do they kind of create havoc again? Because the turnovers and, and sacks are definitely there for the taking against this team. Yeah, so I, I was I, I listened to a podcast randomly today from some JMU guys and apparently Ty Santeo. Um, before the Marshall game, he warmed up and they just decided he couldn't go. So I think he's going to play. You know, it's been it's been two weeks since since then. It's an oblique injury, so you never really know. But unless he's had a setback, you'd imagine he'd come out there and play. You know, maybe there's a lingering issue there. But I mean, he's I, – I won't go as far as say he's the best quarterback they've played this year, but he's definitely not, you know – out of the it's not out of the realm of 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 saying that it been being like out off off the wall like he is, is he better than Jordan Travis I, you know I think I think overall you you know it's, it's actually a pretty fair comparison right because you have a guy in Travis who who can who can run who has that run and throw ability where he's gotten so much better with throwing the football I think Santeo the thing that stands out to me is that he is he's kind of twitchy as a runner. Like he doesn't, he, he, he's a big guy. So you don't expect him to be able to run and have that burst. But when he wants to get out of the pocket, it comes quickly and he doesn't really make guys miss an open field with his legs as much as he can. You know, he's got, he's about 220, 225 pounds. So he can shade off a tackle. Um, but I think the big thing with, with Centeno to me, that's been impressive is that he's got great arm strength. So he can put a lot of pace on the ball and it's accurate. So when they start pushing the ball on these deep crossing routes and things they like to do, it is on the money. And and it's kind of funny. I always call it laying it in there. He's he's throwing the ball and it just seems like it just hits right in these these receivers' chests as they're running down the field. And I think that that's a concern because you have wide receivers running away from Louisville's defensive backs if they're playing man coverage. And we've seen that that has not always gone well when they've tried to man up against teams and and they have the time to throw. I think the big thing is can they keep getting this pressure? But JMU's offense is option, read option, and RPOs. It's essentially the stuff that Louisville just hasn't defended well over the years, especially the RPO slants. You go, we talked about the Miami game in 2019, RPO slant, RPO slant, RPO slant, and they just have not defended that well. Hopefully there's some differences that we, with this defense kind of, uh, evolving this year, but all the things they do on offense are the things that worry me when it comes to Louisville's defense. And that's where, even at the way from a way for standpoint, I felt like they would at least hopefully be able to, you know, um, uh, rush the passer to the point in that tight pocket after that slow mesh and maybe get a turnover here or, or get a sack there. I don't know if there's anything that JMU does that you can say, Hey, I think that that plays in the Louisville's hand. And and that's really the kind of the concern for me uh, because they do have talent. I think Chris Thornton, he's a two-two Atwell type of guys, small, quick, shifty. Uh, I don't think their receivers outside of him are as good as as they were last year when they had Antoine. Um, I don't know, guy. He's at he's at South Carolina now, playing well for them. 
He was a he was a FCS transfer, the FBS level. I think they have good players, but their offensive line is the real key. And with those injuries and uh, a long season wearing on an FCS transition team, I think it's going to be a huge factor for Louisville in this game. Yeah, I think that the offensive line, just like we talked about last week with Wake Forest, is absolutely really in the week before with Pittsburgh. the The focal point for this defense is being able to continue attack, attack, attack. Presley, you were you were going to say something? Go ahead, man. I was just going to say. So I've been doing a little bit of, of digging. Uh, I, it's my belief that Thompson Taylor will at least try to give it a go. I, I think that you know it sounds like like he said nagging injury. If he played their last game, it, it probably wasn't going to be to his full ability. Um, as it we, would have certainly been better than Billy Atkins. I can tell yes. you that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can tell you that. So their, their coach this week, he's spoken three times and each time expressed uh, a lot of frustration in Atkins. Uh, so it is, it, it's, it's sure. something that he keeps bringing that up because he I knows. I imagine that, so. Yeah. yeah. So he, he called him like the worst practice quarterback he's ever seen. Yep. Um, and, and it's people, you know, I, I've, I saw, I've been, JMU's kind of tough. We he didn't say that word TV. for word, did he? He said that word for word. Keith, he said, wait, Keith, what did he say? What he did said he say? he's a terrible practice. I'm not player. believing what yeah, he said. He, he more, I mean, it was, I, I know the second part of it was him saying that it's really when the lights come on, that's when he shows, but he, yeah, he called him, a, I know he at least called him a really bad practice player. Yeah. Oh, and I can't, I, I don't remember the quote, but it's at least, let's put it this way. What Preston just said is not, untrue with at least what he meant by what he said right oh, I, really, I don't know the exact quote but he was like yeah this guy's a bad his, his tone this entire week has just been annoyed yeah. i'll put it that way um they I really have, oh, I, mean, I agree is, i yeah. want billy atkins to play we want billy atkins if if and, and here's what's going to happen like i'm i'm going to be in the press box on on saturday um but if if it's 7 31 and and JMU gets the ball, and Billy Atkins comes running out there. I'm coming down to the stands and finding y'all and buying you guys a beer because it's gonna be a good night. <laughs> That's <laughs> yes, right. That's yes. exactly. And I will hold you to that. And I listen to you know it, it's JMU. So again, they do have a following. They have a fan base. They have a beat writer. Like it, it's not like they're just like some podunk nobody school. Like they have a sizable stadium. And listen, my my best one of my best friends in the world uh, has started more games in the history of Morehead State football than than any other player and he has told me since we were 18 years old that he hopes to god that Louisville and Kentucky never play James Madison because they're going to get upset he's told me this from day one I hope your friend is wrong he's really wrong so yeah but he's always said you know James Matt like they Moorhead every year gets crushed by James well they did got crushed by James Madison like we're talking like 73 nothing 88 to nothing like what, that bad of a beatdown. I would um, say and, that too then, man. And he, he would always talk about like, you know, that was like their big game every year. You know, it's Moorhead. They put, basically play in like a uh, quasi high school stadium and then they go, uh, they would go out to San Diego and play in a 45,000 seat stadium and then go to, go to JMU who's always sold out. They're like the, they were like the Clemson of the FCS essentially. That's kind of the environment that they, they try to replicate. Uh, so with, with that, with that being said, um, they have, there are places where you can find information uh, about James Madison from what I'm gathering about the right the tackle Kidwell. Kidwell is, is their number one draft prospect this year. Uh, he's six, six over 300 pounds, uh, really solid, nimble uh, offensive tackle. He has been in a boot for the last two weeks. 
So the 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 theory this is, is the inside information we need on the show. Man. The, the theory is that Kidwell is not going to play. However, Wyatt did dress their last game, so he will probably play. Centeno dressed and warmed up the last game, so it sounds like he's probably going to play as well. Uh, so that's a little bit of an injury update. Um, again, my notes was coach very frustrated with Atkins, but also <laughs> also. <laughs> Todd Sinteo is also one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I've been doing like some NFL draft research and he's the currently the 56th highest rated quarterback for the NFL draft. He's, to he's a small fella. I think though, uh, right? isn't he six feet, six feet, two twenty or something like that. He's not, yeah, he's a, he's a shorter guy. Yeah. He's, you know, has, the, the production before he got there wasn't as great as it is now. You want to talk yeah, about did. NFL draft stuff. Sam Harbin killed his NFL draft. Yeah, and, and talk about it. Who, with with the way he holds on to football, Keith, I know this eat you up too watching it at home. With him having it with two hands separated the whole time, the entirety of the game, not yeah. correcting it at all after getting like however many strip sacks. I mean, well, and I think that also not not reading that pressure. They kept they kept running the same pressure, and he's just not ready for it. He kept stepping right into the the yes. Yep. Yeah, he had a bad. He had a really bad time. Okay, so so get, just getting back a little bit, you know, Jacob. I think the the initial question was was how is the the defense going to attack the offense? Um, I, I think it's a, it's a big deal that they're one of their best players is, is more than likely going to be out. If if Senteo's out, they're, they're going to have a tough time. Yeah. Uh, they they have they have good players. Obviously, you alluded they have the wide receiver Thornton, who is really solid. Uh, you compared him to kind of like a you know two two Atwell light type of player, and I think that's a good comparison. Um, a lot of Centeno's touchdowns this year have been kind of some some crossers where Centeno kind of rolls out. Uh, he has two or three options rolling out, and, and it seems like Thornton just has a knack for getting open. Yeah. I Very, think the other thing, one ahead. thing about Atkins, and, and not, not to defend completely on the guy, but I think my memory serves because I watched the Marshall game, and it was a few days ago. He started the game, but I think that – I think they actually got – Got up twelve nothing early in the game, yep. and I think what happened was that when those injuries started happening to his offensive linemen, I think that's when things changed for him, and he started to play poorly. Like he, he had a couple of throws early in the game, at least you know, you know, when I watched him, like this guy can. I, I was surprised because I saw the same thing we all saw, right? I saw his stat line, I mm-hmm. saw the fact that they that they played poorly, and I was expecting a backup FCS quarterback that just, you know, that that's now playing in the FBS level. And I'm like, yeah, I just didn't really expect much, but I, I saw a couple of throws earlier. I'm like, this guy can swing the ball around. But I think what happened is that, you know, the injuries, the injuries hurt him. And then I think that that played a factor. I'm not saying that he is better than, I don't think he's, you know, he's obviously not Santeo. He's definitely not a guy that I'm like, Oh, I'm worried about their backup, but I think that he's a better player than his numbers show but I think that the key for James Madison this whole year was what is their death going to look like when injuries start coming and you're that's where the transition year is so hard on teams because you don't have the same amount of scholarships and you know I know Scott mentioned that they brought in a bunch of good transfers none of those transfers they brought in other than Centeno are on their depth chart I mean they, they just didn't they I think they struck out on those guys uh, they had Deion Jones from Boston College. He left. Then they had um, uh, Anthony A.J. Davis from Pitt, who was a guy that I thought Louisville was going to get years ago. He transferred there and then transferred back out because I guess he just wasn't going to be the starter. 
Mm-hmm. So I think they didn't really – they weren't able to really supplement, the, you know, their, their roster with those transfers. Right. And I think their injuries are starting to, to wear them down. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a, a good assessment. And like you said, Keith, he came out, and I think they completed like a 40-yard pass right away. Um, like they – you know, they got a lead on Marshall, and then it, like like you indicated, I mean, they got crushed that, that back half of that game. And it was yeah. very – it looked very similar to a Wake Forest Louisville game. Like very kind of similar <laughs> – very similar narrative to like where Marshall was just setting the house. Uh, Marshall has a pretty solid running back and he was just, just absolutely get, getting after it. I think he went for a, a buck 50, I think maybe like a one fifty one. I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's um, just, just the overall to answer your question about attacking the offense. I mean, I, I think that Keith's concerns are valid um, because everything that Louisville forced Wake Forest and Pittsburgh into is it's going to be very difficult to to get J to force JMU into those situations. They have speedy receivers, uh, they have a, a nimble off, offensive line, they have options, and they have a quarterback who can get the playmakers the ball. And if if you do not spy the quarterback, uh, you get, they have a quarterback that's just going to going to use his feet just similarly to Malik Cunningham uh, and and just keep drives alive. Uh, so that's that should should be Louisville's concern. Um, now, if the offensive line isn't where it needs to be, field day can absolutely take advantage. Like you said, Jacob, they could have a field day. But that I'm not going to say, you know, just like how we were with Lake Forest or even with Pittsburgh or even with Virginia, I'm not going to say that that's necessarily going to be the case. Um, you know, they're, they're going to have every trick up their sleeves. They're going to be, they, I mean, this is this is their big game of the season. They're going to come ready. They're going to have. They're going to have, you know, lots of different sets that Louisville hasn't seen. Uh, they're not dumb. They have a good coach. They have a good quarterback. It's going to be it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I, I think Satterfield knows what this program is going through, what Coach uh, Signati is is dealing with of, of transitioning from, um, you know, the FBS level up or the FCS level up. I mean, um, obviously he's been there and done it. He kind of talked about that in the press conference this week. I think that he's going to be able to attack a game plan uh, put a game plan together that really tests that depth, like Keith talked about. I think that's going to be a really important part. Is just really forcing them to kind of show their hand. Uh, but on the on the offensive side of things, I think you know forcing turnovers, uh, being able to to force turnovers for Louisville, and then being able to get to the quarterback will kind of dictate um, overall kind of the success for them there. But on the offensive side of the, of things, I've, I've really kind of noodled on this. What does Louisville do? How do they attack this? Because this defense is no joke. I mean, total defense, they're tenth in the country. Uh, in scoring defense, they're top 25. They're number one in the country in rushing defense. Uh, they're number three in the country in team tackles for loss. They're fourth in the country in third down defense. Like, they do everything well. They're smaller uh, on the defensive line, but they are fast. And they can, they can, they're very agile. And they are able to, um, to, to really be, get into the quarterback, get to the quarterback, and not necessarily right away. Uh, but a lot of times as the quarterback's getting to the second read, they're right there. Like, they're, they're getting there, and they're making the sack. They are aggressive. Um, and I think for Louisville this game, you cannot be overly aggressive in the passing game. That's kind of my key uh, for Louisville here. I think that this is a team that could force a two-interception game for Malik Cunningham. I, I really believe that. They could they could make things really ugly for Malik. They make plays that not only just at, at cornerback in the secondary, but at linebacker, defensive line. I think that Louisville has to, despite this being a, a really, really good run defense, I think Louisville has to continue to rely on the run offense 
get those four guys going. They have not seen a running back, uh, a quartet like this. I mean, Tyon Evans, Trevion Cooley, Jawar Jordan, Jalen Mitchell, they all played on Saturday against Wake. They will all play again in this game. I think they'll rotate them. And then what Satterfield did really well, in my opinion, against Wake Forest is still the offensive, the passing game is struggling. Malik Cunningham, I think, what, has five touchdowns on the year or something like that. Um, he's just not the quarterback we expected him to be. But what I thought Satterfield did was he made up for that with his play calling this week. I thought that Satterfield was able to do the right things to make Malik look uh, and be successful. And it didn't necessarily come with big numbers through the air. Uh, but I think that this week you you continue to lean into that. I don't, I don't trick plays are probably not going to be a part of this game, in my opinion. But I think you got to find ways, like we've talked about with Vince in the past, with certain throws that you can trust Malik to make. You've got to be, you've got to be able to complete those, and you've got to be able to trust him to do that. And I, and I think that's what's going to really define this game. Again, I, I've said it for the last couple of weeks. I've not been confident with Louisville because of Malik Cunningham as a passer. I think Malik at Louisville is really good at everything else: running the football, blocking, protecting. Um, besides maybe wide receivers getting open, and then obviously we know what they do defensively. But I think this game is going to be just as much as an important of Malik Cunningham uh, being able to pick his spots. And like we saw, he hit some of those nice passes to Tyler Hudson in the first half. We saw him get Amari Huggins, Bruce going, Marshawn Ford. I, I think the opportunity is there for them uh, to kind of continue on the path they've been on the last few weeks uh, and take advantage of this game. And that'll lead us right into predictions here, guys. I'm going to go Louisville winning this game. And, and I predicted it to be like 51 to 10 early in the season, like when I first made my predictions. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be the case here. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game, maybe through the first half, but I think Louisville's going to pull away in the second half. I'm going to go Louisville winning this game 34 to 21. Um, and I think it's going to be uh, Malik Cunningham having his best game through the air. And I say that uh, after I just talked about not being overly aggressive, but I think it'll be because of Scott Satterfield and this staff getting more and more comfortable play calling for him and kind of hiding those inefficiencies and really highlighting what he's good at. I like him to have a big game. The running offense have a big game. Defensive line, give me five sacks, three turnovers. I think they they play well enough, but they struggle uh, in giving up some. We see some of the big plays come back. I think James Madison will have one or two that make it a little bit more interesting, but I still think Louisville is just going to be too big, too strong, too fast. Ultimately, they win the game. Presley, what do you got, man? Listen, man, uh, at the end of the day, I don't think – anybody know what James Madison's mascot is? The Dukes. Duke Dog. Duke oh, dog, okay. Dog, Duke dog. What's, what's about to hit him? This is big boy football right here, baby. Listen, that's spelled Duke without UK. I'm, I'm looking over. I'm looking over James Madison's schedule. And listen, I'm, I'm like Keith. I listened to the James Madison podcast. I've been on the message boards. I've, I've, you know, y'all got too much time, man. I've, I've listened to the press. Why are y'all so much in the I've day? seen with the with the beat writers. Well, I've known the games coming up. I've been worried about the games for two years. I've been worried about this game. Okay. Because I know that this is this was a game. It's sandwiched in between two top ten opponents. Like th there are so many reasons why this is a trap game. Why Louisville could lose this game. And early in the season, especially, I was very scared. I was like, if you're on a sat train and you want to keep sat, they lose to James Madison. There's no uh -uh. hope, nope. right? It's a little different now because you beat Wake Forest, can't you lose beat Pittsburgh. You, you still can't lose. But you have you have a little more grace, no. a little more grace. No, you can't you get free tickets away. Back to <laughs> right back to where we were Come a couple on. weeks ago. Okay, so here here's the difference in the game. I won't get too into the trenches and stuff because we could talk about this for forever. But James Madison, worst schedule in the country so far. Yes, they have played App State, but App State's kind of stumbled a little bit as the season's gone on as well. We've kind of seen that Texas A and M are frauds. Like they they were the team that that lost to to uh app state right like that's yeah that's who they are that's their identity 
Um, other than that, Middle Tennessee, Norfolk State, Texas State, Arkansas State, they lost to Georgia Southern, okay? They got pretty much handled last week in the last three quarters by Marshall, okay? So, like, that's that's what we're looking at. Marshall is, is the second-best opponent they played this season. Just just not a, a schedule, especially that is, has provided them any sort of challenge in the trenches. And that's going to be the case this week for Louisville. You know, they're already kind of beat up in the trenches. They don't have a lot of depth in the trenches. They've not faced this sort of size at all. I've listened to what their fans have been saying. Their fans are very confident, like very confident. Their fans think that they're going to win this game. Like And James Madison, they're going to bring like 2,000 fans to the game. I don't know if you guys have seen, they sold out their ticket allotment. They show up to games. This is like their bowl game, right? Like they're, they're going to come in ready because obviously they can't play in a bowl game. They transition, yada, yada. Okay, so with all that being said, the only team that James Madison's played this year that's good, that's really solid in the trenches is Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern hasn't played jack shit either, okay? But Georgia Southern did not allow a sack against a team like James Madison who thrives on – that's the reason why they lost the game. That's why the reason why Georgia Southern kind of ran it up on them because they could not get to the quarterback, okay? It's going to be the same way against Louisville. I, I'm not saying that they won't get sacks. I'm not saying there won't be mistakes. There won't be lapses. We've seen that all season, regardless of, of if it was a win or loss. With that in mind, I think that, that James Madison is going to come out with a little something-something, okay? They're going to keep. They're going to have some tricks up their sleeves. Fans are going to get a little nervous, but it's going to be all right. 42-28 cards. Um, I, I'm, and, again, Vince, I'm, I'm not going to jinx it or anything, but I've been – since I started doing this podcast, I've been very correct about a lot of stuff. And, and I'm going to just, just throwing that out there. 42-28, the Dukes are going to score a little bit, but that's all right. Duke Dog hasn't seen what the cards got coming, okay? <laughs> I'm going 31-7 cards. I don't have some long-ass explanation like Presley. I think we're going to come out and whoop James Madison's ass like we're supposed to. I think, uh, you know, our D-line right now is playing so well that – I mean, everybody always likes to say defense wins championships, and that is 100% true. But uh, really, it all starts up front. If these defensive linemen can put the shockers on them, as Ivy likes to call them, get off the guys, get pressure on the quarterback, stuff these RPOs before they can even make a decision. If the center is sitting in the running back in the quarterback's lap, then the decision's made. It's a TFL. That's what it is. It's a TFL or a sack or a strip sack, which you saw on Saturday. So that's what I'm going with. I think cards get dub. Keith, you got a score? You got a key to the game? You got anything? Yes, you, James, James Madison, president yeah. fact, you want to throw on a Duke, out? Duke Doghead. Come on, put on Duke Doghead. <laughs> so, so I think that, I mean, for me, you know, obviously I've been talking all summer you know, up through the fall about how terrible the decision was to even schedule James Madison. I mean, you don't schedule an FCS champion when you can just schedule EKU, Murray, Indiana State. You have plenty of schools. Um, you know, I think the one thing, you know, that I, you know, the caveat was that it's late in the season. And I think the wear and tear of the season is much rough, much worse for, for James Madison than it is Louisville. Um, but I think the big thing is Louisville's got to run the football. Uh, they got to run it well. And they have to run it with their running backs. I mean, I think that's the, the big thing. I think that, you know, especially if you can get some inside zone runs and take advantage of a smaller defensive front run the ball, get the offense going. Uh, but I do think the injuries are going to be a big factor for James Madison. Their offensive line is, is, is hurt right now. They're injured. 
even if guys are coming back from injuries, you know, they're still nursing something, you know, it's not, they're not, they're not a hundred percent. Nobody's really a hundred percent, but they're not even, they're, they're further away from hundred percent than everybody else. So, um, you know, I think as long as the defensive line shows up like they have the last few weeks, as long as we get the, we don't get the Boston college defensive line game where they only had three tackles in the entire game as an entire group. Um, I think that Louisville should be, should be fine. But, you know, uh, it's, it feels to me kind of like the Wake Forest game, how I felt going into that, which was it can go any way. Uh, I think that, you know, you never know what's going to happen in these games. Every single year you get an FCS team beating an FBS team because people schedule terribly. I think I can't help but get past the fact that, like, this is such a bad idea that it's just going to keep – Flowing on is a bad idea. It's just and, a and such but, a bad idea. It's a yeah. good idea, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> you know that's. But I, I do think that the you know the factor is is it's late in the season. Uh, if this was the first couple games of the season, I would absolutely pick James Madison because that's this is what you deserve when you schedule a stupid game. <laughs> but I think there are their injuries, the wear and tear of the season. I think Louisville should come out and get a win by a couple scores, if not a big win. Uh, I don't think that, you know, I don't think it's going to be a close game like the like 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 some others are picking and some of the models are showing and even Vegas is tighter than it should be. Uh, I think it'll be a few scores uh, as long as they come out and play well. That's the, you know, but it's it's, you know, we, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a complete believer into this team, but yeah, I'm jaded just like everybody else. Right. Uh, so. You know, they, they should win. They have all everything. They have all the upside in it. And coming off three uh, three conference wins, there should be no reason that a veteran team like this uh, should not come out and, and really win this game handily. Uh, but James Madison is a strong opponent, and their quarterback just scares the daylights out of me, man. Yeah, I, well, and I can't blame you for that. I mean, what's your your boy Mike? He always says Scott's really good at making things awkward. The most awkward thing Scott could do at this point is lose to James Madison and set himself right back into where he was. But I feel confident that we're going to see this team having uh, turned a new leaf and being the team that is consistent week to week. That's this week. What I I hope we're going to learn more than anything is that they show up focused, ready to play, and it's it's from one to. 83 and then how many scholarship players there are on a college football roster right i think that's the number i don't know i didn't get something one. like that 85 <laughs> 1 to 85 through 97 because there's usually like 12 walk-ons that play for louisville they got to be ready to go on saturday against this team and and here's to hoping that james madison shows up and looks more like the president james madison and not the division one football team because james madison how tall do you think james madison was guys as the president do you, does anybody have a guess as to how tall he was six three five seven presley uh, i was gonna say one alex stingle he is five foot he was five foot four the shortest president in united states history for that reason, we're going all in on the cards, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're coming back next week for the first time and show history with four wins. Back to back to back to back. That's how we're doing things around here. From the Pink Seats podcast, Jacob Lane, Presley Meyer, Vince Coco, Matt McGavick, we appreciate you for tuning in. Big shout out to Keith Wynn, Card Chronicle, for joining us for the 100th episode. We can't thank you guys enough for tuning in. It's starting to finally feel like we might be getting some good football. We were right on the cusp of it, I hope. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. You never know. So until next week. Go cars. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.